I'm Frederick March. I'm here to show you what the best practices are to change your life and to become more successful in everything you do. This is episode 14, Inspirational. Hi everybody, how are you doing? Rev Fred here. So this podcast is, I'm actually in the process of uh, reading a book and uh, it's part of this whole process that I'm going through of changing my mindsets about myself and my situation and, and trying to figure out what motivates me what is the reason why that maybe i'm overweight that uh physical issues and other things so one of the things i won't mention the book yet maybe later on if, if i find it it works its way out pretty good well for now but it's interesting because it's talking about the fact that some of our conditions in life say our, our weight, uh, if we have uh, a pervasive illness like diabetes, like I have, or high blood pressure, like I have, you know, that all that stuff may have actually came from a place of the developmental stages, either really young as a baby, all the way up to whatever age it may be, where you may have had trauma. Uh, that caused your 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 subconscious to make decisions that in turn will cause uh, issues down the road. Now, at the beginning, it might have happened because of a protective measure. Like, say, for example, when I was a I was a baby, uh, I got pneumonia and I almost died. You know, we were pretty poor even uh, when I was a kid. So it's the possibility that back then that stuff caused me to think to myself as a little baby, we don't make a conscious decision, but a decision like, oh, what's the point of crying? You're not going to get what you need anyways because they just don't have it. So I will repress my emotions and I'll just wait to see if I ever get any, the food or uh, the warmth because the reason I was had pneumonia is because we were very very poor and lived in a small little house a little shack it had no heat and it was the middle of winter in newfoundland and my Sudbury, and i was very 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 cold so you know perhaps that was part of it you know also part of it is your parents the way they grew up and the thoughts that they had and that they then turned into themselves and then they walked it out and so even though they might not have known that they were causing you to want to repress um your needs because it wasn't going to get met anyways and so as a protective measure to keep you from expending energy by crying or trying to get something you you, you stopped it because and not because you become a good kid and, and never cry. It's because you, you never got what you needed anyway. So my, why why even do it? So might as well save that energy. At the time, it was probably a very important factor in you staying alive or whatever the situation is. But down the road, it becomes a detriment because 
you repress, like for myself, like I repress uh, feelings. Uh, and then, you know, when you, you're growing up and you're in a, a situation where somebody's an alcoholic and they're violent and, and they might abuse you in some way, you know, and how that, you know, love is conditional and they get upset with you or so then you was like when it comes to relationships you know everything's conditional like you know if you're not a good person you don't get what you need so we get to a point where you try to be nice to everybody you try never to be upset you try never to be have a reaction you try never to because you know people just don't like it they don't want to see you upset they don't want to see you angry they don't want you and so you just repress those feelings and those emotions well that repression can actually cause physical conditions so it's interesting you know i'm walking through this process i'm just going to and learning it and i'm going to get to the point soon there that it talks about how to uh rectify past situations like that which i'm looking forward to because i really feel like this book really is speaking to me and i really do understand it you know there's probably a lot that you know you, you go into like for myself personally i i have very little memories of myself as a child very little so and emotionally i'm actually pretty now, I've always looked at it as a, as a character benefit. And I'm always, I don't get the highs and the lows. I, I stay pretty consistent, you know? And, you know, as far as interacting with people, it's, it's you know, somebody gets upset, I stay calm, you know? And so it's it's all great. I always thought, hey, that's, that's a good quality to have. And maybe it is, but at the same time, I'm not actually feeling it. So if I'm not actually feeling it, apparently people who have gone through this process have, have learned that, you know, of uh, abuse they didn't even know about, you know, and I was left alone with uh, my, my dad's father, who was a really, really nasty person. Apparently he abused sexually everybody in the family. So I was left alone with him because my mom had no choice. My father had passed away. She had to go to work. She had to make money. And he would lock me in the little cellar in the underneath the house. So who knows what kind of abuse happened? Because I don't remember it. I have no clue. So maybe something happened that I repressed. And then I kept repressing. And I kept repressing. And, you know, and even when my brother's father would get drunk or stoned and get upset and decided he wanted to take it out on me, I never felt anything while it happened i didn't i didn't let him take that from me yeah he could hurt me and beat me and bruise me but i wasn't gonna let him take my physical emotions you know and so for me that was a protective measure but and maybe it was a very good protective measure but maybe it also caused other things and so that's now i'm struggling with diabetes now you can say and i would agree that Maybe the diabetes is because of the eating issues, but maybe the eating issues is because of the diabetes. Maybe there's something in me that repressed and, and a compensation, that compensation caused me to eat, to feel comfort, because what else was I gonna use for comfort? When I was a baby, if I couldn't get food because we didn't have any money, and everybody was taught back then not to breastfeed, because it's too demanding on the mom and, and the baby. But 
reality is they, they needed that. That's important. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's taught, you know, like we need to teach babies to sleep through the night and that's not reality, you know, but we, we expect it. And so then babies have to compensate for that by trying to be a good baby by staying quiet all the time and not asking for things and not crying for things. And even though they need it and they need that one-on-one -on -one holding time, they need that breastfeeding time. They need that whenever they're crying to know that somebody's going to be there for them and it's not, they're not going to be ignored. And so then when they become an adult, they just don't think that nobody ever will be there for them. So what's the point? So to find other things to be there for them, pornography, drugs, uh, alcohol, whatever, work. Some people are workaholics because they can control that environment, you know? So who knows? Interesting. I'm looking into that. I think it's uh, there, I think there's a very big probability that there's some something going on there, which I think is really, really interesting. And my wife is actually reading one of the same books from the same guy, a different book from the same guy uh, for her university, uh, for her to become uh, a counselor. So, or a uh, psychologist, which is interesting. So, hey. <laughs> so, I wonder where all this stuff takes place. And, and it makes me also understand how more how um, faith healing by the Lord can actually change things because we don't really have a clue what's going on. It's all subconscious. It's all underneath. It's all decisions made to in, do better in this situation and do better in that situation, which may not be doing better for the whole situation, but it does better for that one situation. And then causes problems over here and causes problems over there. But God knows how everything works and what's going on and what's the blockage. And so when somebody prays for you and it, it, God comes in to heal that situation, he knows exactly what the issue was. You made a decision. And so in order for that decision to be refer, returned or reacted retracted you need to feel complete love and so your spirit gets full of love and peace and like oh and that will be your message it's like oh i feel this peace i feel this love well because that's exactly what you needed because you never felt that peace and a love when you were a little baby and you didn't feel that comfort you didn't feel that thing so God gives it to you and makes you feel that way. And it compensates for those things that you didn't have in the past. And that gets healed. And when that gets healed, then you can walk free from that thing. Well, then the disease can go away because it no longer has to compensate for other stuff. Which makes a lot more sense. Was, you know, I always believed in miraculous healing and faith healing. I always believed in it. But I understand it. You know, and I guess it's not always our place to understand it. But... And to me now, this seems to give more explanation to how it can happen. There's things happening. Like the word says, 
more things in heaven and earth than you can conceive of in your mind. There's more things to in here than we can conceive of in our mind. There's things happening that we're not really sure of. And we're reacting out of a decision that we might have made in the past to do something. And that could be healed. The interesting thing is part of the healing process is also part of the reason why we need to go to church and to fellowship and to have a body around us. We need support from other people. We need uh, the gathering. We need a, a, a village in order to support us, to feel like we're supported and we're loved and we're encouraged. It's critical for our healing process. That's how it happens. You know? It's pretty cool. You know, it's, he's not an idiot. He knows exactly what he needs to do. He needs to get you saved, to get you born again, get you into a fellowship, get you learning about yourself, get you learning why you did what you did. Maybe even revealing to you things that happened in your past that you have repressed and you'll even see. So you, once you see it, you can understand it. You can get healing from it. You get counseling, you know, because the pastor of the church can bring you through a counseling process and a delivering process and all that kind of stuff to help you get past those things so you can walk new. A worldly counselor could do the same kind of thing. There's something different when it comes to having the faith in there. It's more powerful. And then when you're alone, you can sit and be still. I, I sat and be still like three hours today with the Lord, just quiet, just quiet my mind down. I had my headphones on, I had nice, really relaxing worship music playing, just instrumental, just to clear my mind and clear my heart and clear everything out. And I asked questions about Lord something in the past that I needed to get free from. And if I do, please help me get free from those things. Show me what I need to get free from. Show me where my stuff was. I did that in prayer time and being still and knowing he is God and just closing everything off and doing that. It's a really important thing to do. And the Bible even says the Holy Spirit resides in us as our counselor. And we need a counselor. We need somebody who's within us, who knows the inside of us and knows where the things are and where the blockages and where the misunderstandings were and where the decisions that we had made subconsciously for a purpose of protection at the time that no longer needs to be there that is now causing problems. I learned that before, a long time ago, when we were doing deliverance, and we found out about triggers and, and multiple personalities and how that played together in that situation where that multiple was created because the situation was so such a big trauma, capital T trauma, uh, that you needed to segregate that trauma away from the whole, and it became a individual little capsule which may have an identity that was then placed in that would come to the surface when you're in that situation again but then after that situation was over it would keep coming back up when the situation was not the same but similar like if you had sexual abuse you might have had that little 
the little part of you that was there for protecting when that sexual abuse would happen again. But then when you got older and you became uh, an adult and you got married, well, sex caused that thing to come back up and, and you didn't want anything to do with it. And everything was terrifying. Everything was, well, that's the, the multiple. That's the protective thing that came up that was created in order to protect you at that time, but is no longer useful because the situation you're in is not a situation that is abuse. It is a loving, awesome situation that you need to get free from. And that's where you get pastors and counselors and, and coaches to help you get past those things. But it's a thing that created in order to help you get past something that afterwards can cause problems. And we already knew that that was a situation that we've learned about in, in, in as far as counseling and coaching that we did when I was in the Freedom Team. But now we learn, I'm learning that it's beyond just emotional stuff. It can be emotional stuff. It can even cause you to have uh, a disassociation from all kinds of things. But it also can cause you to have diabetes, cancer, uh, heart disease, all kinds of stuff. Which is interesting. I think there's a lot of people who would say, uh, I don't believe that. I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's true. I think there's a genetic genetic component. But even in my research and my studying that I've done in the past, genes are not what we think they are. People used to say genes are that permanent. You're, this is your genetic code. This is who you are. And that's it. It's never going to change. But now we know that trauma and other things like that and stress actually can modify your gene expression. And if you modify your gene expression, that means you're modifying your genes. So, and then somebody could have a gene for uh, cancer and it never develop. And so then if you have a gene for something and it never develops, what's the point of it? It's just there. There's a gene for everything in there. And so sometimes the gene expression gets modified because of environment, because of behaviors, because of whatever. And so... Genetically speaking, we are not fixed. We are in flow. And sometimes that modifies. And so if you are repressing feelings of something and it's causing a problem, and I'm not sure yet how that problem manifests or has a place, place, but it causes a problem that causes a problem that modifies your genetic code, which maybe can activate that uh, diabetes potential that's in your genetic code that pulls it up and say, oh, now somebody looks at it and says, oh yeah, you're genetically predisposed to diabetes. Yes, genetically predisposed to diabetes I am now because of my eating habits, because of uh, a repression of my emotions or whatever the situation is. I'm not a doctor. But I'm just saying, it's very interesting how our thought life and our feelings and the lack of love and compassion and that can change the way we feel about ourselves. And even for me, like I was bullied a lot in school. So um, I learned to compensate by being uh, extra outgoing, you know, being funny and joking about stuff and laughing and, and became a part of who I am. And I became 
uh, known as the funny guy, you know, and, and self-deprecating, you know, call myself fatty and all kinds of stuff just to get a laugh out of people. Not because I really felt that it was funny. It was a protective measure that I put in place. It was a way for me to protect myself against somebody else saying something to me first. And if they did say something to me, I just joked around with it and it looked like it didn't bother me, but it did bother me. It bothered me probably more than the average person because I'm very sensitive in my heart. But I, I had to shut that down a long time ago. I had to repress the uh, compassion for other people even because, you know, it caused me a, a lot of problems. So I had to, I had to do that. But it caused me all kinds of issues. It, it's so much so that it's funny because, you know, I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy being funny and outgoing but it wasn't until probably a few years ago that you know people would tell me that I was mean and, you know and somebody would say you know you're very you're very cruel you're, you're very mean with your jokes I'm like what my perception of who I was is a really nice person and that's what I wanted to be and that's and as far as most people were concerned that's who I am but I, I did then would look at back at that situation when somebody would say that to me and I would notice that that person who was I was interacting with would be somebody who is popular, who is outgoing. And my reaction, because that's usually what a bully was, somebody who's popular, who was outgoing, who was then a bully, who would attack me. And so what I started doing is I started attacking them verbally with uh, harsh sarcasm and, and mean uh, sarcasm and making them look stupid and making them look, you know, because I was trying to protect myself. After I realized that, man, <laughs> it was hard for me to look at and deal with. And I would tell you that now that I am not as funny as I used to be. I don't crack jokes like I used to be. I, I don't, I'm not as sarcastic as I used to be. I'm just not as funny as I used to be because I, I no longer use that as a means to protect myself. So I am, and I used to be so outgoing and that would be the life of the party. And, that would, and now I could sit in a corner at a party and not talk to anybody and I'm fine. Now, other people might be uncomfortable either because that's not me who they think I am. They think I'm the love of the part and they'll think that I'm upset or something. And I'm not. I'm just, you know, and, and I have a lot of knowledge and I've had a lot of experience in my life. And so sometimes I'd be in a situation where somebody who's intelligent was talking and then I would just jump in and jump in and jump in and try to prove that I'm smart as well and to dominate the conversation by being the one always being the one talking which I thought made me look smart but what it made me look was arrogant I never thought that about me I never thought that I was arrogant and that I was a bully that I was mean no way I wouldn't have thought those things but there are certain circumstances where that came up and came out and I became that. And I had to look at that. And when I looked at it, I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh. It's, it's all protective thing. 
you know? And so I'm no longer like that. But I, I could say that I'm no longer like I was. I'm not as jovial as I used to be. I still have lots of information. I still have lots of knowledge. I still have in, in my head. But I could be in a conversation where people are talking about it. And I know the the technical truth about the situation they're talking about. I know the answer. And I could stand there and not answer unless I'm asked. And then I would put my two cents in. But if they don't know to ask, the conversation could be over. And I never speak. Even though, because I am so swinging the other way about making sure that I'm not dominating a conversation, that I'm not dominating the situation, that I'm giving other people the opportunity to speak, giving other people the opportunity to show what they know. Sometimes I feel like uh, maybe I'm not contributing effectively into the conversation because I know the truth, I know the answer, and but I'm not saying anything. But I think that compensation is still worth it because I could easily dominate a conversation. But look at this situation here. I wish I had somebody to talk to who I can sit and listen to. I've learned that listening is my superpower. I love listening. I really do love listening. I love and and I know that I know because I've learned about it, but I'm a, I'm an active listener. I really do love listening. But in this situation right now, talking is if I tried listening, uh, this would be very boring. I would just stand there and going, nothing. Again, I am reaching out to people to get interviewed, and some people have said yes. I'm just waiting for the situation to happen. I'm looking forward to that. I really am. I think I'd be very excited about the interview process. I'm still not sure how to do it yet. If I should do it on Zoom and just edit it together. Or if I should make a place where two chairs, camera, mics, interview. So you can see both of us at the same time. I think that would be better. We'll see. Anyways, so the process of learning about you the way you think the way you feel why you feel the way you feel like i get back to the whole my emotional world is pretty much just stable but that's also a flat line you know never thought that i was like a, a sociopath because you know i do have feelings I do have emotions I just don't express them if I'm upset I just comment right down and you would not know that I'm upset rarely my voice gets a little louder and and that's when I'm really frustrated when my voice gets a little bit louder and I get a little animated I feel joy I feel happy I feel peace I feel a lot of things it just uh, when it comes to my frustration, my my needs not being met. I'm just expecting that's the case in my life. I just, why would they be? 
which is a terrible thing to say and feel. But that's how it, I've always felt, you know. My job as a, as a son was to be good, to take care of my little brother when my mom needed to go away and don't complain about it, just do it. Uh, work hard at their family business every day after school from right after school till 11 o'clock at night for years and don't complain, just do it. No weekends off. I was compensated. I had, they paid me to do it, so I had money in my pocket. But, you know, if we needed to cook, I needed to cook. I needed to cook for the family. I needed to cook for my brother. I just needed to cook. That was just all there was to it. Not like it was bad. None of that stuff was bad. Maybe if I didn't feel like I had to just do and I had the option to say no and to say I, I need time off, I, I need a holiday, I need whatever, that I could do that and get some time. But I never asked. Even now, working. Uh, I was sick for two weeks. So I took two weeks off. I haven't had a holiday from a job that I've had in years years my wife and i have never gone on a vacation since we've been married i just don't ask for things i'm supposed to have gotten a raise from my job twice now i've never once asked for it just happy to get what i'm getting which is i know it's wrong but that's just how i am you know if i if i'm not work and i have a list of things that i need to get done uh, I feel bad if I don't get that list done, even if the list is not realistic. It's way too much stuff to get done in a day. And the plan is to see how much I can do and then put the other stuff on another day. I still feel hugely terrible at the end of my day if I don't have everything on my list done. I feel like I'm a failure. I didn't do my job. I'm not good enough. I couldn't get everything done. Just didn't have enough time in the day to do everything. <laughs> they don't say that to me. That's what I feel. Weird, eh? Yeah. Anyways. So. I'm learning. Changing. 55 years old. Never too late to learn. And I'm not uh, critically ill. Yeah, I'm dealing with this weight issue. Now I'm dealing better with it. I'm doing much better with it. Uh, I've, I've been feeling like a real failure in the last week. Just feel like a failure. Uh, you know, just it happened before. You know, I'm going through the process. You know, I got sick. I wasn't able to do the things I wanted to do. I started doing them. And then I started feeling like a failure. I started feeling like, oh, I wasn't good enough. I'm not going to accomplish this thing. I'm not going to do this kind of thing. These stupid mindsets that keep pervasively coming in. Probably because there's something in the back that's causing me to feel that way to protect me against failure. To protect me against not trying to step past with something I can't do.
it's been a part of my life my whole my whole life you know i i was in martial arts i was in taekwondo for many years and um at one time my sensei wanted me to be part of the very first taekwondo olympic team i was a black belt they wanted me to be in the olympic team there was a few of us in the class that were really, really good. And so he, he picked me, a couple other people, and uh, I said no. I wasn't interested. Uh, it was too much work. It was, you can imagine if you were on the Olympic team, even if you didn't do well, that's something you can say. Uh, I was, I went to the Olympics to fight in Taiwan, but I didn't because I just, predetermined that failure might take place and I just said no I will try things uh, my whole life I've been this way I will try things and I will be able to pick it up pretty quickly and I just say no and I'll just give it up because just because I know I can do it doesn't mean I want to continue to do it because what if I get to the end and I don't succeed that fear of success or failure failure I was I'm more likely to say not success, more feely failure. So there's there's that. Even this podcast that I'm doing today, this podcast right here, I was in my really, two days ago, I was like, well, what's the point? What's the point? You know, I'm, I'm supposed to do another one today. I knew I was in my mind thinking about, okay, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to do? Uh, what am so I started thinking about it. What am I gonna, what am I gonna talk about? And it was like, I'm like, what's the point? You know, like maybe I shouldn't even continue. Maybe I shouldn't do it anymore because what's the? It's not. I'm not getting a lot of views at this point. I'm not really out there. It's not really. It's not making any kind of an income. It's just something that I, I'm putting out there. I'm just doing it, and you know, it's not really giving me a return except the fact that. But I also know that it's something that takes. It's not overnight. It takes time. You know, you're consistent. You're persistent. You keep on doing. You keep on doing. And it has the potential to be successful. But I thought to myself, oh, what's the point? You know, and now I thought, okay. I, I stopped, stopped for a minute. As I closed my eyes, and I was like, Lord, I prayed. I prayed, Lord, I need to know that I'm okay. Everything's going to be okay. I'm working this process. I'm doing this thing. And you know, everything's going to be fine, and I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This is, this is a calling, you know. I really feel that part of this podcast is what I'm doing, is that this calling is to teach people how to be still and know what he is God and allow him to go in and teach you about yourself so you can get freedom and so you can live your life happy and whole and free and walk with God the way you're supposed to so i feel like that's my calling you know to to do that but i'm like okay well you know the place that i i'm ordained through is like because you don't go to a church on a regular basis you know we're not necessarily going to renew your ordination i'm like okay so i reached out to the pastor that i and so we'll see what happens with that but I feel like this is my calling. This is this is my church. This is what I'm doing. 
Maybe they don't see it that way, but that's okay. Anyways, so I was like down and I'm like, oh, well, you know, what's the point? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just put my effort towards something else. I'm trying to find a job, maybe video editing remotely so I don't have to be out on the road all the time. And, you know, I could be you know, more stable and that kind of thing. And so I'm looking, I'm looking and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening, you know. And I get a uh, kind of like a feeling to say, oh, we'll listen to a uh, a podcast. I'm like, okay, I'll listen to a podcast. You know, maybe it'll, you know. And I have these standard ones that I listen to. But I started listening to uh, Mayim, uh, my breakdown, I think that's what it's called. And so I, I listened to it. And she, she had this author on there who was talking about this stuff. I'm like, oh. I went on the Audible and I bought the book and started reading, listening to the book and going to the listening. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting, really interesting. At my job, I was at a location to check out a house and do an inspection before somebody was moving in and see everything was. When I left, there was a real estate guy who came in. I'm like, okay. And I had had a previous conversation with a guy next door. I let him know about the conversation. Maybe there was an opportunity for a sale there. And I think, oh, okay, that's very nice. We get outside. We have a conversation. And then he starts encouraging me. I'm like, oh, nice, nice guy, you know, really. And then I find out that, you know, he's friends with Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi. And, and he does all this motivational speaking stuff. I'm like, oh. Well, he doesn't speak really, but he does a lot of this things. I'm like, oh, interesting, really interesting. And he really started encouraging me, you know. And then I kind of felt, oh, man, this is a God moment. You know, this is who who, who could meet somebody randomly out of the, who is involved in the same world that I'm involved in, who listen to the same kind of things that I listen to, to just to encourage me, just to be there for me. You know, just to say, hey, I see what you're doing and keep going. You know, you're doing it. You can do this. I'm like, cool. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I felt more, okay, there's a reason for this thing, you know? You know, uh, Ed Milet would say that my particular activating service system uh, caused a uh, recognition of the situation and, and because I was... I'm personable, I talk, and, and I, I offered service to somebody right away. I offered him an opportunity to make a sale somewhere else, even though he was there to, you know, that opened up his heart to say, oh, this is a nice guy. And then he saw me working, and he said I was very efficient at my job. And he, like, okay, so then it caused a, you know, because that's the kind of person I am. I want to be very efficient at my job. I want to be very uh, knowledgeable about what I'm doing and making sure that it's logical how I do things he recognized that and it encouraged me you know it encouraged me big time and i'm like okay so then i called my wife told her imagine this i was out there and i met this guy who knows tony and and you know because there's a lot of stuff that tony says that it's 100 percent on the on the money you know he knows what he's doing he's done the research he's done the the actual market research as well because as he put it out there he did it he went with lots of people and what he's doing is all godly. It's all 
um, the systems that are in place that God has created in order for us to get to where we need to go. But, he, you know, he's learned how to get in there and change things and change people's states and change because that's what you need to do. You need to change your your way you're thinking, your your attitude, your state. Because if you're in a negative state, you're going to be in a negative state. You need to figure a way to change your state to a positive state or give you that energy, that encouragement, that power, the feeling that you can do more and be more. Fantastic. You know, he does great, great work. A lot of those guys in that in that world do fantastic work. Uh, you know, it's it's really, really awesome. They've encouraged me over the years. Like, I don't personally have a coach or a counselor or a, right now, uh, you know, or a mentor. But I have virtual ones that I, I listen to and I watch. And, and, that, and, I, and I use that as a way. And so what they say, I implement and I do them. And that's what I do. Only because financially, you know, it's a little thinner. So I don't have the means to, to go to a, an event and to meet with you know but i can get a book i can listen to a podcast i can go on their youtube channel i can you know glean from them as much as i can till i get to the place financially where i can do more than that and i will do more than that once that happens anyways my ch my mood changed and i'm like okay this there's a purpose for this it may be for you who are watching to change how you feel about yourself in order to get yourself from this place to that place. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen with the podcast. I don't know what's going to... All I know is that it is keeping me on task to do it. It is keeping me focused on what I need to do next. Because what I want to talk about has to be has to be something that I'm doing for me. I can't talk about something that is somebody else's opinion that I'm not implementing myself and trying to figure out how that works for me. I can't do that. It's not genuine. It's disingenuous, in fact. So I want to be genuine. I want to be, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through. I have my faith and I pray and I spend time with God and I read the word and I do all those things. But I also seek into my heart because God says there's other areas people know about that, you know, the body is not walking in. We need to take that back. It's not new age. In fact, it's old age. It's something that came from the word. It came from God. It's stuff that people have been doing for millennia. So that's, this is what this is about today. I'm not sure what to call the podcast. Encouragement, maybe? Yeah, I think encouragement. I need it on a regular basis. <laughs> right now on my podcast, when I put it out there, my YouTube channel, uh, my mom is pretty much the one that encourages me and it's very nice of her she says something on almost all my videos and telling me that i'm great doing a great job and i appreciate that i really do i i love the fact that she listens to what i'm doing and likes what i'm doing and talks about what i'm doing and i appreciate that a lot it really makes me feel good i know that i know that he is happy with what i'm doing
that makes a big difference for me as well. Because I need to be at a place where I honor God with everything I do. But I want to honor anyone who watches this to know that this is what I'm going through. This is who I am. This is what I need to do in order to get from here to there. And it could work for you as well. Wisdom is wisdom. Knowledge is knowledge. You can be implementing knowledge just like I can implement knowledge. Not everything that I say on here is something I came up with. Something, I read a book. I watch a video. And then I use it. I implement it. I'm implementing it in my life right now with the stuff that we're figuring out. Because I know that I don't need to be walking in a large body like this. And I know that I know that something is causing it to stay this way. That it's impossible to fight against with diet and exercise. Mindset is bigger than all of that. Perception is bigger than all of that. Subconscious activity is bigger than all of that. Those things need to be looked at and figured out. And then those two things that you implement will actually do the job. Okay. I love you. I really do love you. I love you so much. I'm going to give you a big, huge, great big hug. This big bear hug. I love you. I love you. I love you. I hope you, I wish you, I pray for you to have peace, to have joy, of happiness and to have freedom to feel how you feel express how you feel and not to be repressed we all need that we all need a safe place to express without condemnation without telling me that you're wrong you're not wrong. That's how you feel. Maybe not accurate, but you're not wrong. I love you. Hope this uh, inspires you. I love you. Bye-bye.